Well, good morning, church. It is a blessing for us to be together. Uh, For those of you who are visiting with family, again, we want to welcome you here. Uh, For those of you who, like my family, came home yesterday and you're still trying to find all the stuff that you packed away and just barely made it to church this morning, we want to extend a special welcome to you as well. We are continuing this morning. Excuse me. Can you turn down the mic for one second? I've talked so little this morning before preaching, my voice is still warming up, so there you go. We are continuing our series this morning on this idea of finding the secret of contentment. And if you were here with us last week, you may remember these three statements that we focused on, and then I invited you, I wouldn't say I challenged you, but I invited you to kind of focus on these three statements at least for a few minutes each day this week. Uh, And if you're anything like me, those kinds of practices, you start out thinking, okay, I don't love it when I'm told this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm not sure this is going to work. But as I looked at these three statements at some point during the day uh, for this past week, the, the words started to shape me. They started to help reframe my expectations of what last week was going to be like. And while obviously thinking about Thanksgiving caused, for me, these words to have an added weight, I really feel like I need this this set of reminders all the time, not just on Thanksgiving week. But we talked about this idea last Sunday where we, we live in a culture that focuses on finding true contentment in a couple of ways that just don't work. They may work for moments here and there, but they're not sustainable, right? The first is this idea that we're going to find true contentment by building lives where everything goes exactly the way we want, where our lives are, in effect, perfect. And as I wouldn't even call myself a recovering perfectionist, as someone who struggles with perfectionism, if, if that's how I'm going to find true contentment, I'm in trouble because I'm always aware of the ways that things are not exactly the way I want them to be. They're not going exactly the way I hope they will. And so I'm also always wrestling with this sense of disappointment, of just missing the mark. And sometimes that's my own behavior, but a lot of times it's just the situations I find myself in that I don't have enough control over to make sure everything lines up with my expectations. We also talked about this other approach we take which is instead of wanting things to go perfectly, we just convince ourselves we don't care if things start to derail, if things don't go the way we want them to go. Now, you may be successful to some degree of distancing yourself, of detaching yourself from expectations, right? Like, there are things we should genuinely care less about that we're overly invested in. And so if somebody can help us step back from that and reconsider and think, okay, I'm probably not going to find my life's fulfillment in the type of car I drive. So if there's something going on with my car, if, if it's not working exactly the way I hope, I can let that take over and ruin everything, or I can just decide, you know what, it's a car. It's not always going to go the way I want it to go. It, it, we, we talked last week about, you know, we sometimes put way too much focus on the various sporting teams that we, we support. 
right? And if they, they win, then we feel great. Even though we've never, maybe at least I can say, I've never stepped foot on a football field and done anything of note, right? But if my team wins, I have this sense of pride and I, I feel better and I feel like, well, I, I've made the right guess this week on who was going to win that game. Well, okay, we probably need to readjust if that's what we're hanging our sense of contentment on, right? But there are other things that we just need to be honest about because if our decision in trying to find true contentment is not to turn down the volume on caring too much about things like cars and sports teams, but if we start to turn down the volume on our relationships, the people God has given us, the people we're sharing life with, and we try to convince ourselves, well, to avoid pain, the pain of disappointment, I'm just going to care less about these people and less about these situations, that isn't going to lead to the kind of life that God has created us for. And this is a real challenge because all of us in this room have been hurt at one time or another in a relationship. We have all had our hope disappointed. And it is easy for us to decide, well, I'm not going to get hurt like that again. So I'm going to build a wall in my heart. I'm, I'm going to protect my soul. And I'm not going to open up and be vulnerable like that ever again. You can get through life that way, but you can't have a life worth living that way. And so we have to figure out, just like Jesus models for us, the love of God doesn't create distance from brokenness. The love of God closes that distance. We want to be people who can find true contentment in the midst of the messiness of human relationships where sometimes we keep our promises and other times we break them. What does it mean for us to stay there and to not close ourselves off? So we talked about this idea, right? Those two approaches don't work. So the approach that we find over and over in Scripture is to admit our lives, they're not perfect. We can't manufacture perfect lives, and we, we can't pretend that we don't care when our hearts are breaking. So what do we do? We turn to Christ. We rely on Jesus for his strength. For his faithfulness in always keeping his promises. And we find a way to not only receive that goodness from Christ, but to, to share that goodness with all the people around us. Now, I want us to keep focusing on this idea of trust because I'm not actually preaching a brand new sermon this week. Now, you may feel that in other weeks, but this time it's on purpose. We're going to look at the same two verses we looked at last Sunday. And I want to point something out to you because as I was working on these two messages, I realized how often my default setting is to notice the shadow side of things. And so I preached a sermon last week on how to have contentment when things aren't going the way you want. That says a whole lot about what's going on, right, inside of me. But that's not, that's half the message that Paul actually places in these two verses. So I want us to pull up the same text that we looked at last week, right? Really familiar verses to most of us. I know the experience of being in need and of having more than enough. I've learned the secret to being content in any and every circumstance. That's the core truth that Paul's talking about. Right? And he finishes by saying, I can endure all these things through the power of the one who gives me strength. Now why is it that I take those two sentences, those statements, and I'm only focusing on how do I find contentment in the difficult times, right? Because he talks about that 
we looked at this last week. Being in need, hungry, being poor. How do I find contentment then? That was last week's sermon. But that's only half of what Paul's talking about and I think trying to get us to wrestle with. Because he doesn't just say, I've learned the secret to being content when, when the things that, that I don't want to have happen are, are, you know, it's just all falling apart. He says, I've also learned how to be content when I have more than enough, when I'm full, when I have plenty. Yeah. Now this is different. And it's actually something I've been wrestling with this week. And it's not something I've ever noticed in this text before. See, it's, it's one thing to understand why I'm not content when I don't have what I need. Everybody in this room could list the things that they feel like they still need, and that, that, that very well may be what's threatening your sense of contentment. Let's go to the next slide. Okay, we, we know this. What's harder, you, you can bring it up. What's harder, right, is understanding why we're not content when we have more than what we need. And everybody in this room has experienced both sides of, I don't know how to feel content. And I think it's a bigger challenge to wrestle with, okay, I look at my financial resources, I look at my family, I look at what's going on there. Things are admittedly not perfect, but I I would have to admit I have more than I need. I certainly have more than I deserve. And yet there's still a part of me that feels like it's not enough. See, when Paul says, I've learned how to be content in any of every circumstance, and then he traces the full spectrum of human experience, the ups and the downs, I think he's wanting us to understand that it's really not actually about what you have or you don't have. It's you. And I want you to listen to this very carefully. I believe that above all else, what God wants to protect in his relationship with you is your identity and your free will to choose relationships, even to either choose to embrace a relationship with God or to refuse a relationship with God. God obviously has the power to overpower your identity and your sense of free will. But the moment that happens, it's not a partnership and the kind of relationship God wants, okay? So God has made a commitment to let you be you and to let you decide whether or not you're going to pursue a relationship with him. Having said that, what that means is God cannot make you content. He can't make it happen. Because whether he showers you with obvious blessings or not, it's still going on inside of you. And so what God is wanting us to understand is this is something you and I have to decide and we have to commit ourselves to saying, look, my sense of who I am and how things are going, whether or not I am enough, whether or not I have enough, it cannot be dependent on something 
that is so far outside of my control as how my day's going, how all of my relationships are going, how my job's going, right? I can't find contentment there, and God can't just give you the gift of contentment. So what are we going to do about it? And here's the thing. All of us know this struggle. All of us have had moments. I've had several moments in my life where I have a goal, and I keep telling myself, once this happens, then I'll be content. All these threshold moments in my life, right, getting married, becoming a father, becoming a father again, getting an undergraduate degree, getting a master's degree, getting a doctorate, right, all of those. You keep telling yourself, this is really hard right now. I'm getting ready for this, but, but once I finally achieve what I'm setting out to do, then I'll feel content. And every single time I've ever passed one of those thresholds in my life, the surge of contentment lasts not nearly long enough. And in fact, it's chasing on its heels is a sense of uneasiness and emptiness that all the same problems I had before I graduated or got the degree or my identity, they're all still there. So now what? Well, I just go get another degree. Well, I'm done with that. <laughs> I gotta find something else. Right? I'll go do another thing. I'll, I'll try to get a, a higher number in my savings account. I'll try to do all these different things. I'm always one good thing away from lasting contentment. But see, God knows the answer isn't to just keep giving me what I want. Because giving me more of what I want isn't actually going to solve this. I'll still feel a little uneasiness, and I'll still feel a little empty, and I'll think, okay, it's close, but it's not exactly what I was hoping for. It's good, but it's not lasting the way I thought it would. And look, I think there's a lot of different reasons we struggle with holding on to true contentment. And so there's got to be as many different ways to express this as there are people in this world. But I want to pick one primary thing that I think a lot of us struggle with that's at the heart of why, even when God continues to shower us with blessings, the contentment just doesn't last, okay? And it's this. Many of us are afraid that even if we have more than enough at this moment, we could lose it all at any moment. Now, did something inside of you just tighten up? Like right here in your heart, kind of clench up, and you think, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm usually afraid of. I, I may not say those words. It may not be that clear to me, but there's always this sense that as good as it is right now, what if it's all taken away from me? And what's so difficult about that, right, is that that fear about the future has the power to rob us of contentment in the present. The fear of what might happen starts to stain what's actually happening it, it takes away the sweetness, the goodness, the hope that we should be experiencing and feeling because we're afraid it won't be this good forever. Now listen, I'm convinced part of that longing is placed there in our souls, in our hearts by God. I think it's your homesickness for heaven. 
I don't want it to just be this good now. I want it to be this good forever. That is a sense of eternity that's beating inside of the heart of who you are. I, I don't think it's greediness. I don't, I don't think it's just that you've decided that no matter how good it gets, it's still not good enough. I, I don't think it's just you kind of deciding, you know what, all these people talk about the importance of gratitude, but I still want more. Like all those things would be true. But I'm telling you, I'm convinced that, that in our souls, God has placed a longing for everything that is good and beautiful and right forever. But we're not there yet. And this is the tension that people of faith have always wrestled with. What do we do in the meantime? How do we live in the meantime? And we always have a choice. And it is a choice between faith and fear. Between trusting and not trusting. And trust is always relational. God doesn't just ask us to trust that things are going to work out. More than that, God asks us to trust him. That even when things don't make sense, and even when we can't figure out how things are going to work out, and even when our hearts are breaking, and even when things are falling apart, we don't have to figure it out and then say that's trust. We just trust him. And if we lose our trust in him, it won't matter what else happens. It won't matter how long the good moments last and how often they come crashing into your life. Because without God as the foundation, I'm convinced that the fear of what could happen, the fear of what could be taken away from us, the fear of how things could go wrong, it will always be more powerful than the goodness of what's going on in this present moment. Now, you may not primarily think of it as fear, but it's something. It's something about the fragility it's something that happens to all of us where we have lost good and beautiful things before. We have lost good and beautiful relationships out of our lives and we don't even understand how it happened. And, and that kind of difficulty, that kind of struggle, it doesn't just go away. You can't just switch it off and decide you're not going to pay attention to it or it won't affect you. You have to combat it. You have to, you have to resist it. And you can't do that on your own. So you turn to the only one who has the power to actually protect your contentment. When you can't know exactly what's going to happen next and how things are going to unfold. So here's the simple truth. And I put simple in, parenthes- in uh, quotes because it's not really that simple. I mean, you're going to understand all the words it's simple in that way, but in terms of living this, right, I'm, I'm going to live the rest of my life trying to actually experience the truth of this. Finding our way to true, lasting contentment is not about always having more. It's about having more trust in God. That's it. We talked about it last week because we were talking about trusting God when, when things aren't going the way we want them to go. But I'm telling you, it's just as important for us to trust 
God when things are going perfectly well. Because they won't always stay that way. You know it. I know it. We struggle with it. And instead of trying to figure out how to make those amazing moments last forever on our own, which is impossible, and we know it, we turn back to the one who is good to us even when our lives aren't good, who is faithful to us even when other people are faithless to us, who keeps his promises to us even when nobody else does. It's one thing to learn how to trust God when you have nothing else. It's an entirely different experience to learn how to trust God when things are going so well, you may forget how much you need him. When things are going so well, you may, you may start taking credit for things that are their gifts. And then you may get to the point where you think the only way I'm going to have a good life is if, is if I figure out how to take what God has given me here and there in these fleeting moments, and I'm going to somehow, I'm going to make it permanent through my own effort, through my own wisdom, through my own attempts, right? You, you're going to run yourself ragged, and by the way, you're going to run everybody in your life ragged trying to insist on, no, 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 this is how it has to be. This is how our relationship has to go. This is how our, our family is going to be. This is how... It's not about what's happening. It's who is walking beside us, not only in the valley of the shadow of death, but when we feel like we're on top of the world. Look, here's the truth. What Paul's trying to say is, we have to open our hearts to learn this reality. Jesus is enough. And if he's not enough, it won't matter whether you're hungry or you're full. It's not going to matter if you have plenty or you're in need. It's not going to matter how high or how low you are. If Jesus isn't enough, the world isn't enough. And everything the world has to offer isn't enough. And if you have Jesus and he's enough, then it really, it won't matter. Now I say that and I hear those words and I realize how far I still have to go. Because so many things still matter way too much to me. So many things still depend on me in my own life and I struggle often to realize that I need Jesus just as much when I have everything I can possibly imagine as, as when I realize I don't have anything. Jesus is not going to chase us down and force us to turn our hearts towards him and say, please, hold my life together, hold me together. Help me understand that you're the only true source of contentment. Help me understand it's not about anything else or anyone else. It's about you, Jesus. Help me keep coming back to this truth that you really are my all in all. And that once we, 
we are able to experience that truth in a, in a deeper and richer way as every day passes in our lives. That It's not that we won't, we won't care about what's going on to us. It's that we will realize that no matter what's going on to us, he matters more. Jesus is enough. Simple. But it takes a lot of work every single day to keep coming back to it. We're going to sing together now, and as we do, our shepherds and their wives will be standing at these double doors at the three main exits. They're there to pray with you, to talk with you, to walk beside you in Christian community. And so if you came this morning at all with anything that you're concerned about, that you'd like to talk and pray about, please go to those couples as together we stand and sing.